Today's scripture reading comes from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If you have your Red Pew Bible, please turn to page 984. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Some background about Colossians 3. only did four verses because that's the time allotted uh, that, that we have to share. And this is actually more of an intro to the rest of chapter 3 and then the beginning part of chapter 4. So this is just kind of an intro study to, to get into that part. So let me pray and then we'll get started. God, we're thankful for um, Gasan and Elaine who are getting baptized uh, later this afternoon. Thank you for Rick this morning. Uh, just a beautiful time where uh, these folks can and sh- can show a, a public declaration of what's already happened inside of their spirit. Um, I pray, God, that your spirit would uh, fill this place and your presence would be sensed by everyone here, uh, that you're speaking to us and ministering to us in a really real way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, in chapter 3 and the early parts of chapter 4, are Paul's, um, he's kind of laying out what practical Christianity looks like. And so we'll be breaking that down in the next several weeks. Um, He, in these two chapters, is instructing followers of Jesus as to how to live a Christian life. But living the life after Jesus is actually not the ultimate goal for the Christian, because what good is living that life out if we don't know who the giver of that life is. So living life is not simply about morality, as a lot of people believe about Christianity, just living a good moral life, nor is it about achievement, uh, you know, what, what we can do. That's not what the Bible is ultimately pointing to. The, the Bible points to who God is as the Heavenly Father, who Jesus is as the Son of God, who the Holy Spirit is as the helper, and our relationship to this triune God and then towards one another. And so if we were just to kind of encapsulate our way of life, our way of life is looking to flourish. God is looking to help us flourish. And not just by our outward actions, but more importantly, this inward faith, this inward belief. Because what we do, those external actions, those external things will never be sufficient enough to deal with the separation that we have from God without Jesus. The only sufficient way for our separation from God, which sin has caused this separation, is to be dealt with the union of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus is where we experience freedom, fullness, We experience perfect freedom, perfect fullness. Without him, we are still stuck in this bondage that we have to sin. So let's jump into verse 1 here. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So something for us to think about is position, is standing. 
where Jesus is and, and where we are in relationship to that. And so this is our position as believers trusting in Jesus Christ in that you have been raised with Jesus Christ. We have been raised with Jesus Christ. Now there are a number of things that happen when we, by faith, trust Jesus to be our Lord. In order to be raised with Christ, we have to die to self. Otherwise, what, what is being raised? And by faith in Jesus, we have received forgiveness of sins. By faith in Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God. We have become heirs to the kingdom of God. By faith in Jesus, we are new creations who are raised in Christ. Raised to a new place. To a new sphere. Where... We were once in a place of bondage to be raised and then to be set free to live in this new sphere of freedom. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. In Colossians, Paul is writing directly to the church in Colossae, but in Ephesians, even though many scholars believe he's addressing the Ephesian church, it's a much bigger macro way of looking at addressing Christians as opposed to what is happening directly in Colossae. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 2 starting in verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. By faith in Jesus Christ, the spiritual environment we live in has changed. We've moved from darkness to light. We've moved from bondage to freedom. We've moved from death to life. Made into new creations. Now to an unbeliever, this seems strange. This seems really bizarre. But if you are a believer, you have this understanding of this movement of this spiritually dark place to moving towards a spiritually enlightened place. That our minds will be set on things above and they're not set on things on the earth and brings us to verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things on earth. And so how does a humanist or an atheist or an agnostic set their minds on things above. It's impossible because they are setting their things, their minds on things on the earth. They're not looking above. That's not what they're looking at. And so how can anyone, for that matter, set their minds on things that are above when in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it's written, none is righteous, no, not one. So how can we possibly have our minds set on things above when our minds are unrighteous. Well, I think we need to take a assertive, direct step towards seeking God, to hold fast to God for our joy, for our security, for our stability. And how often do we instead seek things such as joy, security, stability by seeking things on earth rather than setting our eyes, our minds to God?
What do we tend to set our minds to? You know, things above or things on the earth. And I find myself, it's a, it's a real struggle that I, I need to work with myself and, 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 and fight within myself to set my mind upon God because I'm just so worried about the things that are running in front of my face, whether that's a bill or what's going on with my kids or what's going on with my friends or my family. Yet where do we find our delight? The psalmist wrote in Psalm 34, verse 7, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know, sometimes we focus so much on the things right in front of us, and yet all we have to do is look up, and God gives us the desires of our heart. I want so much for my kids to turn out this way. I want so much for my relationships to be this way. I want so much for my life to be this way. And yet, if we just look up, God already knows the desires of our heart. Set our minds on the things that are above. Now, what does this look like? One of the things we can take a look at is just our prayer life. What does our prayer life look like? What are we praying about? And if we're doing intercessory prayer, how are we interceding for people who need the power of God to enter into their life? You know, this past week at our church, there's been a lot of tragedy, a lot of sickness, a lot of brokenness. Um, This is just one week. This past week, um, we had a, a person in our church who used to come to church here, but she uh, goes to another church now. She was helping with a church plant, but her 24-year-old son was shot four times, and he died. And so this past week, I've just been dealing with Alameda County Sheriff because it happened outside of Oakland, but she wants us to host the funeral here, which we are on Saturday. And so I'm dealing with OPD and just figuring out, like, can we provide security because it's a homicide and we don't know the nature of the homicide. And so we would like a police presence here. And so we're just kind of like talking all these things out. Like it's, who would ever thought that a pastor has to deal with dealing with police and providing police presence for a funeral? Like it's just not one of those nuances people think about. But those are the things that, that are happening here this week. We, we had a, a brother here at our church who has, a, has been in ICU for over a week. You know, if you're in ICU for a day, it's not, you're not in good shape. But you're in there for a week, and they still don't know what's going on with him, and he's just continuing to swell up, and they don't know what's happening. He's in a tremendous amount of pain. Every time we visit, it, visit him, he's just moaning and just groaning in pain. And no painkillers working for him. He's just groaning in pain. And this past week, we also had a, a former member of our church who moved down to Los Angeles because um, she took a job down there and moved down there with her new husband and she just had a baby last week and this baby has this rare genetic disorder where the prognosis is very, very dire. If you can pray for that baby. Just a lot of suffering. That's only like three things that just happened this past week and there's more. There's a lot of broken relationships. There's a lot of struggling marriages. A ton of tragedy, a ton of brokenness, a ton of sickness. And so where do we go with these moments? Where are we setting our minds? It has to be on God. You can't look at the things right in front of you. It's so terrible, the things that are in front of us. That we deepen our faith by looking to God and we deepen in prayer and we grow in our holiness and and we let the manifestation of God 
use us and through that spiritual power that we can bless people. You know, one of the tremendous blessings, I don't know if a lot of you heard, but um, Jane is officially in remission. And that was like a miraculous thing. You know, that's, that's wonderful. We've been praying for a long time. And, and Chelsea started a prayer night on Thursday nights to pray for her. And like we, we see the spiritual manifestation, that power happening through. Like we have to set our minds higher. We didn't just look at UCSF and what are you doing for Jane. We don't set our things on the earth. We, we, we have to set our minds higher. Setting our minds on things that are above to see past the things on this earth, to see past what is temporary right in front of us and that we can see everlasting things. And we need to be driven by the things that are above, not on the things that are right in front of us. And we need to learn to see things through God's perspective, through God's eyes. And so how we see people and how we see the circumstances that are right in front of us and those people that we love, to see from his perspective and we can only share about things that are above if we know what they are, if we know who he is. But one of the obstacles that we face is that we become so earthly-minded that we are of little or of no help in terms of a heavenly help. We get so focused on what's in front of us and we want to control like what's in front of us. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so do you see this position? Do you see your standing that we were raised with Christ? Verse 1. And then here in verse 3, you are hidden with Christ. That we are with Christ through it all. And so we get this picture in baptism. And we have the baptismal here. Actually, it's a horse trough slash baptism. Um, you know, our... In our services, we, we plan our services about four to six weeks in advance. And so we, we go through our passages and we debrief about them, we pray about them, we, and as a staff, we pray about all this stuff. And, and this actually wasn't in our plan until I think it was this past week. And, and I think God and the Holy Spirit work in just these really beautiful ways in saying like, you know what, you're going to talk a little bit about baptism, let's have baptism. And so we had people approach us, hey, can we get baptized and uh, we're like, sure. So typically what we do is we take people to Lake Anza or we take them to Lake Temescal and we baptize people on the lake and we have a picnic and a barbecue and we do that whole thing. But um, for some reason, Oakland Lakes haven't been par um, par uh, like agreeable with us this past year with like algae and bacteria and like swimmers itch and all this kind of stuff. And so we, we didn't feel like we should... Um, expose those of you who are getting baptized to such things. We, and um, I didn't want to experience such things myself either. I was thinking of getting those fishermen waiters and then go in. But then I was like, oh, that's not fair. That's not, you know. And then we thought about, oh, why don't we go to Ocean Beach or Pacifica or something. We'll just baptize people out there. And then we thought, like, it's really cold. Like, it's, we don't want to be, like, we don't want to have people go through hypothermia. And, like, it's just like, let's not do that. And so our baptismal has a huge crack in it. It's behind this blue curtain. And so uh, now we use it for storage because that's what you do with all spaces that are broken. Right? Like, you know, you just use it for storage. And so we couldn't use that. And we're like, oh, let's just use the horse trough. So we took that from a stable of horses and uh, just cleaned it out. And so it's a little slimy, but not a lot, just a little bit... Um, but it's there. 
But I love how God works. And then there is where we get, um, we, we get this picture of baptism in this verse. And we're all going to be privileged to witness this. It's going to be really cool because they're going to share their testimonies with us. And I, and I love that part. But this, the sign where, where those who have been baptized are, are placed under the water and then they come out, out of the water. They, they are raised out of the water with Christ, but they are also hidden in the water with Christ. It's not like Christ was like never there. He's with them in position and standing the whole time. Going under the water, symbolic of dying with Christ, a visible symbol of what, what has happened already spiritually, and then rising out of the water, symbolizing this new creation, this new life in Christ. Just this beautiful, visible portrayal of what has happened with saying, you know, goodbye to that old self, and then welcoming this new life with Jesus. That we are heavenly united with God, that our life is hidden with Christ. Now in this physical realm that we live in, we, we can't see what's happening spiritually. We can see the people going in the water physically and coming out, but we can't see the spiritual aspects of things. And you can't even really understand the spiritual aspects of things without spiritual eyes. You're only seeing somebody really just get wet, right, and come back up. If you're just looking at it physically and you're just like, that's weird, why are they doing this? But it's only in this spiritual mind that we understand this. That only in the spiritual can we know Jesus and understand Jesus. Be united with Jesus. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and, and what it has to say about being, things being discerned by the Spirit. Starting in verse 9. But as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of men imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to dis understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Think about this. If you and I were to walk down to the lake and then we we're just to ask random people around the lake, what is a Christian? We'd get a lot of different answers. We'd get a lot of different answers. I think a lot of those answers actually would not be nice. You, you have a box and you be like, that's a not so nice box. And then we'd probably get some people who are a little bit nicer, and we'd get some nice answers. And within those nice answers, I think most of those people would probably focus on what Christians do, how we live and our actions, what, what we should be doing. And, and a lot of times, this is true. I mean, this is, this is true. This is the evidence of who we are, is, are these things that what we do. But here's something. Being a Christian isn't all about those external actions or those external qualities that we have. Actually, being a Christian is, is more about 
who we are in our core, of who we are as Christians. It's more internal than it is external. Let me explain this a little bit. It's internal because it's a union with Jesus Christ in a spiritual sense, not in a physical sense where, oh, Jesus is holding my hand, but that he's with me in spirit, that there's this relationship with Jesus, that we are raised with him, that our, we are hidden with Christ by God, by faith, and that's all internal. And people won't be able to see that or understand that union as an unbeliever. It's all internal, but not completely, because what they do see physically is the evidence of what has happened internally and it's evidenced externally. So that's when it comes out to how we live and the things that we do. And that's when they can see it. Take a look at Colossians chapter 1. We looked at this several weeks ago, but verse 23. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So we are presented blameless, holy, above reproach by Jesus' reconciliatory work on the cross. That's our standing. That's our position. And the external evidence of that finished work is seen in verse 23 by continuing in the faith, by being stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Look at what John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. That continuance is so important. Continuing in the faith is evidence that we follow Jesus Christ. We see people continue in the faith, and then we also see people who no longer walk in the faith. And it happens all the time in the church. It's sad. There's a beautiful thing about it when people are continuing in the faith, and there's this grief and this really huge sadness when you see somebody who used to, and then they're not anymore. And the parable of the soil speaks to this. You can look at that at Mark chapter 4. You can read all about that there about the different types of soil and the seeds are in the different types of soil and how they grow and which ones don't grow and they get choked out. And of course, people grow and then people fall away and then they can come back again. We see this in Luke 15 in the story of the prodigal son of, of the father's love and he came back and we see that our life is hidden with Christ and that we won't fully Notice the freedom outside of Christ, just like that prodigal son outside of Christ doesn't know that he had freedom until he comes back. So in this kind of introductory study of chapter 3 and into verse 4, this is kind of the question that I'd like you to go away with. Are you aware of your position? Are you aware of your standing with God this morning? Is your life hidden with Christ? I have another question for you, but let's look at verse 4 first. When Christ, who is your life, appears, 
then you also will appear with him in glory. Is Christ your life? When Christ, who is your life, so is Jesus Christ your hope, your security, your future? For those who have Christ in their life, we will appear with him in glory, and our life will reflect one that is postured towards God, aimed towards God, where our minds are set upon God, above, set above. And our gaze will be towards God, and we won't be consumed with the earth, with the things of ourselves. We, we will go toward Jesus rather than going towards ourselves, towards the temporal, 